Oh, come on. Good morning, Go Church family again. So great to see you. And let me take a moment. Welcome all of our campus today. If you're in this room, this is our South Metro Atlanta campus, our broadcast campus. From this location, we live stream the message portion of our gathering to our West Side Atlanta campus, our Montgomery County, Maryland campus, and everybody watching online. So whatever campus you're a part of today and wherever you're watching from, we greet you in the name of Jesus. Come on, one big Go Church family. Can you put your hands together? Greet your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Come on. Also, let me uh, honor and recognize all of our military men and women, those who have served in the military, those who are currently serving in the military, and all of our courageous first responders. We just want to show you some love and honor you today. If that is you, military men and women, first responders, whatever campus you're at, will you put your hand up in every room and let every congregation, every campus, show some honor and appreciation. Come on, let's go. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, let's go. God bless all of you. Thank you so much. Bless you, bless you, bless you. That's great. And then let me give you one quick save the date, okay? One save the date, March the 26th. March the 26th. We have the high honor of hosting Charlotte Gamble will be with us right here at our broadcast campus, of course, live streamed as well, online and to our other gatherings and campuses rather. But if you don't know who Charlotte Gamble is, let me give you a little bit of advice. Go online. Go to the old YouTube. Come on now, get your grandkids to show you how to get on the YouTube. Check her ministry out. This is a fiery woman of God, fantastic communicator, preacher, incredibly anointed. Uh, she's a global teacher and preacher, author of over 16 books, the founder of uh, the, the We Are One Foundation and the Dare to Be Conference. Her and her husband currently live in the UK, so that means she's got a great accent, which people with accents are always more anointed. Come on, you know that to be true. So I want you to save the date. Uh, we'll begin to share this information with the community, and a lot of people who follow her ministry will know. So I want to make sure that you're the first to know that Charlotte will be here. And there's just something powerful about a woman of God that preaches the gospel. So uh, we affirm that, and we thank God for her and her ministry, and I want you to be here on that Sunday, okay? And then today, we are in week number three of a series that we're doing called The God of Miracles. The God of Miracles. After I pray for you, I'll tell you how we ended up with listening to the Holy Spirit about doing this series, but I do want to show some honor. The last two Sundays, my family and I, we've been away from Go Church because of the death in our family. I'll actually tell you a little bit more about that in the message, but two weeks ago, my father-in-law, the bishop of the house, Pastor Allen, preached, and he preached the paint off the walls. Come on. And then last Sunday, Bruce Deal, the founder and CEO from the City of Refuge, preached, and man, he brought the fire of God. As a matter of fact, we were driving back from Florida uh, during the 9.45 a.m. gathering here at our broadcast campus. So we pulled it up on the Go Church app. And man, Bruce was preaching so, with so much passion and fire. I looked down at the speedometer on our Chrysler Pacifica, and I was doing 101 miles an hour. Come on, somebody. The Holy Ghost got in that minivan. And uh, we were going somewhere. And Kimberly said, you know, I mean, you may want to slow down just a little bit, but it's been a great two weeks. I believe today will be what I'm calling an anchor message. There are sermons and messages in your life, and if you've been around church for a while, you know this to be true, that these anchor messages change the trajectory of your life. And this is, I'm not putting any pressure on me because it is not my desire to impress people, only to be obedient to the Lord. But I believe today is going to be an anchor message for you and your family. This message is birthed out of 
uh, some of the pain and suffering and difficulty that our own family has been walking through uh, really the last year or so. And so I'll get into that here in just a moment. I want to invite you uh, to go to the Lord in prayer with me. You pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. I like to take about 10 seconds as a moment of reflection, as a moment of focus and concentration. Let's try to just the best that we can invite the Holy Spirit into this, this message. Keep our minds clear, our hearts attentive, our ears open to what the Lord would say. After 10 seconds, I'm going to pray for you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, I'm, I'm overly confident that very few people, if any, woke up this morning and said, when I go to church today at Go Church, I hope that I hear a bunch of information. What I am confident about as well is that many people woke up today and they said, when I go to the house of the Lord today, I want transformation. So would you anoint me as the messenger of this this moment to these people to provide the words of God which provides transformational power through the working of the Holy Spirit. I don't just want to give information. I want there to be a house of transformation. So we honor you and we lift you up. Give me clarity of mind, thought, and speech. I pray that the cross of Jesus would go before me. Lord, uh, I, I want your words to be spoken, but I need your help. I need your anointing. I pray for your people to lean into what you would have say, and maybe this message today would resonate to their heart and some of the challenges and pains of life that they're going through. So we honor you. May you get the glory today. May you get the highest praise, and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, and the church said amen and amen. We've clapped for a lot of people, but if you got five seconds because you love Jesus, come on. Let's put our hands together here, church. Come on. All right. At the end of 2022, as we were turning into a new year, uh, during my private prayer time with the Lord, the Holy Spirit took me to Psalm 77, 14, and just impressed in my heart that this verse would be the word of the year for 2023. And the Bible says, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. And I heard the Lord say, declare for Go Church that 2023 would be the year of God's miracles. By a show of hands or by a shout of like affirmation, does anybody at Go Church need a miracle from God? Come on, I asked me to. Need a miracle. Now, in order for you to receive your miracle, you have to expect a miracle to happen, which means you also have to believe in miracles. Now, this is important as we build the conversation today that there are two competing theologies out there. There is the theology of cessationism versus the theology of continuationism. So, and these are, when you break them down, you immediately understand the, the definition. Cessationism, and, and those who are cessationists believe that whenever the last apostle of Jesus died, so also died the spiritual gifts like divine healing, uh, prophecy, and, and, and. Uh, tongues, interpretation, like when the last apostle of Jesus died, all of those things ceased. Then there is the theology of continuationism that believes if God did it then, God is able to do it now. And so if you're wondering what part or what kind of church Go Church is, well, the part that we fall into or the type of church we are is, I am a continuationist. 
I believe that God is still a miracle-working God. I believe that there is nothing too big for God. Can I get an amen from somebody? There is nothing too powerful for God. There is nothing too impossible for God. And if God healed people then, God can heal people today. Right now, God can do it. And so I'm standing with great faith declaring that 2023 is going to be the year of God's miracles. And as a matter of fact, and I, I don't say this with any, uh, you know, intimidation, nor do I say this with any concern. I'm just going, I'm just, my heart is to just obey the Lord. So in my prayer time, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, people are hungry for a miracle. So let's declare a day to be Miracle and Healing Sunday. So this is the first time in eight years of being a senior pastor that I've ever taken a specific day and said on this day, we're going to pray for everybody, anybody that wants to be prayed for. And if you've been a part of Go Church for a while, you've heard me say, the Holy Spirit is not weird, people are weird. Come on. I might be talking about the person sitting right next to you, by the way. Come on, like, the Holy Spirit's not weird. We're not going to be weird at Go Church, but I believe in the laying on of hands, we're going to anoint with oil over 2,000 prayer cloths so that every person in attendance that day at all of our campuses, you get prayer cloths to take home for you and your family and your neighbors, your mom and them, whoever needs a miracle. We're going to believe on March the 19th for God to display his power among the people. Can you say amen to that? Now, can God heal before then? Absolutely he can, yes. But there's something about a call to corporate faith and prayer where it activates the supernatural. Does that make sense? So we are not cessationists here. We are continuationists. We believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And we don't believe that by faith alone. We believe that by experience. There are hundreds of people that attend a Go Church campus today that they have prayed for a very specific miracle and now they can testify to the miracle working power of God. We have seen hundreds of testimonies of people that they once had cancer but through the power of God today they are cancer free. We've seen people delivered of migraine headaches Kidney stones. And if you've ever had a kidney stone, you know the pain of a kidney stone. Now, they say for a man, kidney stones is as close as to the pain of a woman giving birth to a child. Obviously, I've never given birth to a baby, but I've had 21 illegitimate children called kidney stones. Come on, somebody. I don't want nothing to do with them again. We've seen people cured of arthritis, diabetes, chronic pain. We've seen marriages that the devil said that it was over. And to cross the, the table with lawyers on both sides, the Holy Spirit showed up and got reconciled that marriage. We've seen people in overwhelming financial bondage. God provide increase and now they're giving above and living above generosity. So we believe it not by faith alone, but we believe it by experience. God is able. I just want you to get that today. God is able to do what man cannot do. And whatever your impossible situation is, God says, I am possible. Now, the only way this sermon is going to work today, if you help your pastor preach, come on. Impossible, but God says, I am possible. But now let me talk to you about what I want to say today, what I believe the Holy Spirit has burdened my heart with. Because we're walking through this as a family. There are people who have prayed with great faith for a miracle and a healing, and God did it. Cancer was gone. 
Pain was gone. Sickness was gone. Whatever fill in the blank you want to put, gone. But then there have been people that have prayed with the same amount of faith. And the person that they were hoping to be cured from a disease, they weren't cured from the disease. They lost their battle to cancer, however you want to phrase that. Or every day you wake up with emotional pain or mental pain or physical pain or spiritual pain or relational pain. And you're believing for a miracle, but it's not happened yet. So, so what does it mean? Here's kind of the two questions I hope to answer and really encourage you with today is the answer to these questions. What does it mean if God doesn't heal me? What does it mean if the, if the, the miracle that I've been praying for doesn't happen? Because I would say for the couple of thousand of people that are at a Go Church campus today, we've all prayed for some kind of miracle. And again, there are many of us that receive that miracle, but many of us, we're still in the waiting room. And we don't understand what, what is it going to take if he is the God who performs miracles and I have faith to believe, then why is my circumstance not changing in front of me? And listen to me, look at me for a moment, and I'm just going to speak my heart today. This is where my family is. It's where we are as a family. I'll tell you one story about my stepdad, but on all sides of our family, we're walking through some challenges and complications with people that we love as they struggle with health and issues. Eight months ago, my stepdad Graham was diagnosed with lung cancer. He's a good man. Gave his heart to the Lord and really became hungry for the things of God. You can see, by the way, and forgive my emotion, but it is what it is. Uh, that little blanket with Lakeland and London when they were smaller. They diagnosed him with lung cancer in May of 2022. Kimberly and I drove to Tampa uh, on Memorial Day weekend to Tampa General Hospital. And for eight months, for eight months we believed that he would be healed. For eight months we fasted as a family. We prayed as a family. We took communion as a family. During the 21 days, Pops was one of the number one reasons that I prayed and fasted and wept for 21 days. God, do a miracle here. And last Saturday I officiated his homegoing celebration. And on the way back from Florida, uh, on Sunday afternoon, I heard the enemy whisper in my mind, how are you going to preach a series on the God of miracles when this God that you believe can perform a miracle didn't even do it in your own family? And let me tell you, in that moment, I told the Lord, I don't need some Christian hallmark response from somebody I don't, need, I don't need like a little pat on the shoulder, everything's going to be okay. And if you've ever lost somebody that you love, there's always somebody that just says something really dumb to you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, well, the Lord needed another rose in his garden. I was like, well, he could have chosen you. You, you look like, I'm going to pick you and gone. You know, like, or the Lord, you know, heaven just needed another angel. And I'm like, man, like, I don't need that. My mom is grieving the loss of her second husband. My dad died from a massive heart attack when I was 13 years old. She said she'd never marry again. She was widowed for over 12 years. And then Graham showed up. And they were married for 18 years. Until he breathed his last breath. And she's grieving. How, how is it that when you believe for a miracle... And the miracle doesn't happen in the way that you are praying for it to happen. How do you have the faith to keep going? Am I talking to anybody yet? Yeah. 
And listen, if you're looking for a pastor that's got it all together and isn't wrestling in his own faith at times, I got great faith, I believe in God, but I am a human being. And I'm not exempt from trial or from difficulty or from storms. So there's going to be messages like today that I preach that I'm not preaching because I Googled it. Come on, somebody. Which I don't Google them anyway, but this isn't some Googled message. This is a message out of my own grief. Out of seeing my family weep because we believed that Graham would be healed on this earth. And the Lord took me to the Apostle Paul. Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to give you four verses today. Verse 7, 8, 9, 10. 7, 8, 9, 10. Of 2 Corinthians 12. And tell me as we process this, as I exegete these verses, if you don't see some similarity between what the Apostle Paul was going through and what many of us are going through today. Watch. Verse number 7, 2 Corinthians 12. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. On the count of three, I want everybody at every campus to say thorn in my flesh. One, two, three. Thorn in my flesh. A messenger of Satan. You ready? One, two, three. A messenger of Satan sent to torment me. One, two, three. To torment me. Now, I want you to highlight those three very specific uh, identifiers in verse number seven. Thorn in my flesh, messenger of Satan to torment me. Thorn in my flesh is pain. It's physical pain. Now, I'm not exactly sure what Paul's thorn in his flesh was, but it was a physical pain. And this is many of you. Like many of you, you are, you are overwhelmed with the physical pain in your body. Like it's hard for you to get up and get going for many of you. And listen to me. By the way, I thank God every day for doctors and for nurses and for medication and, and all of that. But many of you, in order for you to even function in a day, you have to take your medication And you should listen to the wisdom of your doctor. Come on, can you say amen to that? All right. But many of you, you know exactly about this thorn in your flesh. There is a physical pain. But Paul says, but there was also a messenger of Satan. This is spiritual warfare. And a lot of us understand this. A lot of us understand the the spiritual warfare that is coming against your family, your house, your children, your grandchildren. Uh, your marriage, your, you name it. There is the spiritual warfare and you, you, feel, you feel the tension in your heart because the enemy is seeking whom he may devour. And the enemy's primary objective is to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do with your life. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. All right? So there's thorn in the flesh. Circle that. That's pain in your body. There is the messenger of Satan, that is the spiritual warfare. And then there is the torment. This is mental and emotional conflict. And I can't tell you how many people I know that they are paralyzed by panic and anxiety and depression. And they are in a dark place. And I believe with all of my heart that God wants to deliver you from that. So if you look at this one verse, you see here that just about everything that you and I are walking through, the Apostle Paul walked through. We've got pain in our body. We've got spiritual warfare. We've got emotional and mental conflict. And here's what he says in verse number 8. Watch. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord, take this from me. You ever been there? 
And I think it's significant that, that, that he shows us three times. Because three times mean this isn't some passive prayer that Paul is praying. This isn't some flippant prayer. No, there is passion in his prayer. There is a pleading in his heart. Lord, this thorn in my flesh, this messenger from Satan, this torment that I'm up against, you've got to take it from me. It's too much for me to bear. Anybody by a show of hands, you've ever felt like this is too much for me? Watch, this word plead comes from the Greek word agonizomai. Agonizomai. It's where we get our English word, yeah, agony, agonize. And here what Paul is saying is, I, I have agonized before the Lord. I have pleaded before the Lord. That word agony literally means to wrestle. I've wrestled with the Lord. You've got to take this pain from me. You've got to take this thorn from my flesh. And I don't know how many times in this eight-month journey with, with pops and with some of the other health challenges within our family, have we pleaded with God in agony, take it from me, Lord. And watch the response of the Lord in verse number 9. And I'll show you verse number 9, part A and part B. Look at 9A, watch. But the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus didn't say that My power is perfect in spite of your weakness. Nor did he say my grace is sufficient in spite of your pain. He said because of it. Because of the thorn. Because of the sickness. Because of the illness. Because of the injury. Because of the the, the spiritual warfare. Because of the torment. Now you get to experience my grace in a way that you may have never experienced before. So here's the question for you. Watch this. What, what if, I'm just, I'm just putting this out here for you to chew on. What if the pain and the suffering actually allows God to do something in your life that could have never been accomplished without it? Is there anybody in the room that, man, you've been through some stuff? And in the moment you didn't like it, in the moment you didn't want to embrace it, but now when you look back, Over the testimony of your life, you see that God has been faithful and God has been good. And because of the thorn in your flesh, God's been able to do something far greater in you and through you than if the thorn had never happened. Now this may resonate with a lot of people, but with some they're still wrestling because of the grief and the pain and the loss. And I get that. I understand that. I've got great empathy for you today. But what if God is bigger than us? What if God really is holy? What if his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts bigger than our thoughts? Now sickness, pain, grief, thorns in the flesh, they don't come from God. They come from the enemy. But Genesis 50, 20 says, what the devil meant for evil, God will make good. Come on. Listen to me. What if God actually knows what he's doing? And he can see something that you can't see. So here's what Paul does. Part B of verse number 9, 2 Corinthians 12. He says, all right, I've agonized with you. I've, I've wrestled with you. I've pleaded before you. You're, you're not going to take the thorn from me. So I, I'll just boast all the more gladly about my weakness 
so that Christ's power may rest on me. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm not putting anybody down. Again, I don't even see you today. This is God's word to JC and my family. But when's the last time we said, you know what? Thank you for the thorn in my flesh. Thank you for the pain. Thank you for the grief. Thank you for the hurt. Now, I get it. We don't typically do that. That's not our natural a human response. But Paul says, hey, if you're not going to take it from me, then I'll boast in it. Because if I boast in my weakness, then you get the glory for helping me walk through it. And your power rests on my life. And listen to me. Man, the enemy wants, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. The enemy wants to make sure that you believe that the reason you didn't get the miracle that you prayed for and the reason that you're still waiting on that healing is because God is mad at you. God's angry with you. God wants to punish you. God's out to get you. And can I tell you something real quick? Listen to me. Man, Satan is the father of all lies. Satan has never told you one truth, and God has never told you one lie. Can you say amen to that? Sickness, pain, suffering, cancer, diabetes, finance, all, whatever it is. All of those come from the enemy. They don't come from God. So I want to make sure that you and I set the record straight here. Just because your miracle has not happened yet does not mean that God is mad at you. He's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. He's not trying to punish you. And watch this. And this may really challenge some of your theology, but it has very little to do with your lack of faith. I prayed over and over, if faith the size of a mustard seed can say to the mountain, move, how much faith is that? Because I feel like I've got like a whole crop of faith. And if the amount of faith is enough, to bring every healing, then you know who would be sitting with us today? Thousands of 2,000-year-old New Testament Christians that you read about in your Bible. So it doesn't always have to do with your lack of faith, and it doesn't have to do with anything you've done wrong. Sometime back, somebody told my mom, what did you do for God to punish you the way that he has? First of all, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And if I knew who you were, the spirit of slap would come all over me. Come on, somebody. There's a little alimentira for you. Just because your miracle hasn't happened yet does not mean that you won't get the miracle in a bigger way in the future. So here's the question. Watch this. We're just walking through 2 Corinthians 7. Watch. So when the thorn in the flesh is there, the pain in your body is overwhelming. When the spiritual warfare and all of hell is just unleashed against you. When the mental and emotional conflict is just so dark. What do you do? Rhetorical. Do you turn toward God with the pain? So God, I'm going I'm to I'm run to you because all my hope is in you or I'm going to become angry and bitter. I'm going to be mad at God because you didn't answer the prayer in the way that I thought you should. Hey, listen to me. God is not a genie in a bottle. You don't get to rub a lamp and you get three wishes. 
God is a faithful God. He is a just God. But what is your decision? Because watch, you can't control the thorn. If you could get your healing, you'd do it. But what you can control is your decision about God. So do I run toward God or do I run away from God? If you've ever been hospitalized uh, on the wall, you've seen some kind of pain scale. And in the hospital, this is typically connected to your physical pain. But for our conversation today, whatever pain you're going through, again, rhetorical, but where are you on the pain scale? Think about it. Where am I today? And here's the point that I want to make. Because I know some people that they've got very mild amounts of pain and they are infuriated with God. They've got moderate levels of pain. And why have you forsaken me? They turn their back on God. They turn their back on reading the Bible. They turn their back on the practice of the spiritual disciplines. They turn their back on the gathering of the people. They don't want to go to church because of a little bit of pain. But then on the other end of the spectrum, I know people with very severe pain. Like the worst pain possible. And they are on fire for the Lord. Let me talk to my mom. She's watching this gathering for a minute. I don't know anybody that has been through as much pain as she's been through. 24 major surgeries in the last 18 years. Lost two husbands. Nobody should have to lose one spouse. Let alone two. But every day I talk to her, she calls me Jake. Jake, Psalm 56.3, what time I am afraid I will trust in thee. What? How, how can you live here every day of your life and yet, God, you are really good. And I don't get it and I don't love it. But the thorn in my flesh is there, so I'll just boast all the more glad about my weakness. Because she knows, and many of you are in that same area with the severest amounts of pain. But hey, I know that when I boast about the weakness, your power rests on my life. So here's the question again. Do do you turn toward God? Or do you run from Him? And only you get to decide this. Following Jesus will never make your life easy. God cares more about your holiness than he cares about your happiness. And if you think, well, I'm going to give my heart to the Lord because I don't ever want to walk through a storm, that's not Bible. That's not Christianity. Being a Christian doesn't make life easy. Being a follower of Christ means that whatever you walk through, you don't have to walk through alone. That there is a God that has never forsaken you. He's never abandoned you. He's with you every moment of every day. Can I get a hundred people to testify to that truth? That God is faithful through it all. In the most difficult moments of your life, when you look back at the footprints in the sand, why is there only one set? Because in the darkest, deepest, most grievous moments of your life, God picked you up and he was carrying you along the way. Come on. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Watch. So Paul says this. Here's the response. All right. I'll just delight in the weakness. I'll delight in the insults. I'll delight in the hardships. I'll delight in the persecutions. And just to make sure you know that, that Paul, writing 2 Corinthians 12, isn't disconnected from our pain and suffering. Paul's not some prosperity gospel preacher that's flying on his private jet, staying at the Ritz-Carlton. This is Paul. That was a killer of Christians until on the road to Damascus had a transformational encounter with God and went from killing Christians to planting churches. And Paul says, all I want to do is serve you, Lord. All I want to do is live my life for you. And now i got this thorn in my flesh and I'm, I'm agonizing over it. You won't take it from me, so I'll just delight in it. Uh, and so, so you know he's talking about you. Difficulties is the catch-all. Whatever it is you're going through. It falls in that category. And then watch the final phrase of 2 Corinthians 12.10. You ready? You know it. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Christ, here's what I've learned. In your weakness, in your difficulty, in your pain, when you just trust the Lord and you give it to the Lord, he gives you a super natural power. Now, I'm almost done, but I can't let you leave without giving you some encouragement along the way, all right? So let me give you three truths to encourage you as you wait and pray for your miracle. All right, again, who's waiting and praying for a miracle? Anybody? Okay. So let me give you three, three truths, three truths to encourage you while you wait and pray for your miracle. The first one is this. In time, God will heal me entirely. One of the things I love about this television is the advancement of technology. If you press it with one finger, it advances forward. Two fingers, it goes backwards. A lot of times people think there's like a little hamster back here or a little man in a little box controlling the TV or that, you know, the media team, production team, which they always do a great job is just following along. No, I, I actually control the TV. So one finger moves it forward, two fingers sends it backwards. So I'm going to send it backwards because that wasn't a good enough amen. Come on, somebody. Three truths to encourage you as you wait and pray for your miracle. You ready? Let's respond better. One day, God will heal me entirely. Come on. One day. If you are a son or daughter of Jesus Christ, you have confessed your sin and repented of your old life. You've accepted Jesus to be your Lord. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And that means this world is not your home. This is a very temporary place. But one day, come on, church, we're all going to heaven. Come on. If we said yes to Jesus, we leave this world. To be absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. And let me tell you, in heaven, there is no cancer. In heaven, there is no sickness. In heaven, there is no diabetes. In heaven, there is no inflation. In heaven, there are no 50-cent eggs. Come on, somebody. In heaven, there are streets paved of gold and seas made of crystal. There are golden gates with a single pearl. And one day, we will get our glorified body. Come on. I'm preaching way better than you're helping me preach. I know some of you are new to Go Church and you don't know what's going on. Let me tell you what's going on. We serve a God that promised us eternity with Him. And this world ain't our home. No, I'm just passing through. 
No, one day I will get a glorified body. So if you need new knees, come on, somebody. In heaven, you get new knees. Come on now. If you need a new heart in heaven, you get a new heart. If you're tired of where you're living, stay faithful and fight the good fight. And you'll trade in your house here in this world for a mansion just over the hilltop. One day, God will heal me entirely. Listen to me. It's all temporary here. And Paul knew this. How, how could Paul testify in 2 Corinthians 12 the way that he did? Because he preached about this seven chapters earlier. Paul was a tent maker. It's how he made his money. And he used that as an analogy of this life. He says, for we know that if this earthly tent that we live in is destroyed. And I'm not trying to emotionally manipulate you into some faith with God. I'm just telling you that one day this flesh will perish. This flesh will cease to exist. And if you get 80, 90, 100 years, wow. But 100 years is just a small speck of sand in the hourglass of eternity. And Paul says, hey, if this earthly tent that we live in is going to be destroyed, we get a building from God. We get an eternal house in heaven. And guess what? That house, it's not built by human hands. So let me tell you, write this down, all right? You ready? You ready? Here we go. It's all temporary. Sickness is temporary. Pain is temporary. Hurt is temporary. Grief is temporary. On the count of three, I want you to shout this as a proclamation over your pain. You ready? One, two, three. All this is temporary. Come on, do it again. One, two, three. All this Look at two or three people and tell them, say, all of it's temporary. It's all temporary. One day we will stand before God. And on that day, pain will vanish. Sorrow will be gone. Now I know, listen to me, and I'm not talking to you. I'm just talking to me. But now I want to talk to the devil. Because he said that my pops didn't get his healing. As a matter of fact, Pops got his greatest healing. And he got his glorified body. Come on. Because all of this is just temporary. I've been preaching for a long time. Let's pause and give God the best praise you've got. Come on. Oh, come on. Somebody clap your way through the pain. Come on. Hallelujah. This world is not my home. Come on. Somebody give God praise. I wish you'd take 10 seconds right here and you'd honor the Lord with your lips. It's all temporary. I've got the hope of heaven. Woo! Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Secondly is this. Watch. God has a purpose for my pain. He is sovereign. He is just. And while the pain doesn't come from him, God, God can take your mess and get a message. Look at somebody say, that boy is preaching today. Come on. God can take your test and give you a testimony. God has a purpose for your pain. What better example of this than childbirth? Man, I, I, I stood... And I'll save you the details, all right? But I stood twice in the labor and delivery room 
as superwoman, come on, gave birth to our children. Why? And then watch this, and I had this thought. But why would a woman, where, where, if, you, if, you're, if, you, if you've got a, a child, come on, mama, let me just see your hands for a minute. Some of you are not raising your hand because you're believing for your miracle. I'm standing with you. Okay, hands down. Well, why would you have a child and go through all of that pain and all of that suffering and all of that bloating and all, and, and all, all, of, all of it? Headaches, migraines, nausea, weight gain. And I'm just talking about me, what I went through, all the stuff I went through, Right? One, when she was pregnant with Lakeland, we walked into Carabas here in Peachtree City. We walked in, I was like, oh, I'm going to throw up. Got to get out. Because a real man will take one for his woman. Come on, somebody. And also, I'm just real sensitive with smells, I guess. I don't know. But why would a woman give birth to a child and then later be like, we should have another one. We should do all of that again. Why? Kimberly is highly intelligent. Full of God. Why would she say, let's have another one? Because she knows that the joy of a child outweighs all of the temporary pain. Does that make sense? And now I'm the one saying, Kimberly, let's have another one. And she's like, you have lost your mind. Look, but God has a purpose. So watch this. Write this thought down. It may be if God doesn't heal me immediately. Maybe it means that he's got something better for me. 20 years ago, my brother Terry was on a date with his then fiance. And when they left the restaurant, uh, a 16 year old underage drunk driver ran a red light and hit their car. The aorta valve in my brother's heart was ripped completely away. And um, for the last 20 years, he's been paralyzed from the waist down, confined to a wheelchair. So when we went back to my hometown to officiate Pops' funeral, um, I officiated the funeral, and my brother Terry sang the closing song. And he, if he's told me this once in 20 years, he's told me this a hundred times. Jay, if I could go back to the night of the accident, I wouldn't change a thing. And, and I'm like, really? You wouldn't change anything? And he'll tell you. I'm not making this up. He'll tell you. He would say, you know what? 20 years ago, I could walk, but I wasn't walking with Jesus. I didn't know Jesus. Gifted, talented, traveled the country singing. Good looking. I mean, he is my brother. Come on, somebody. But he didn't know the Lord. And he says, and now, through being confined to a wheelchair, I met my Savior. And I know, this is what he told me at the funeral. I know that I can't walk here on the earth, but one day I'm going to dance on the streets of gold. So maybe if God says no temporarily, maybe it's because he's got a bigger yes. Doesn't mean you can't pray and believe for the God of miracles to move, but you have to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart.
Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Let me give you the third truth here and I'll pray for you. The third encouragement here. I will experience supernatural power when I trust God with my pain. Verse 7. And when I am weak, then I am strong. Everybody look up here as I close. I want, I want, to, I want to talk to those of you that have a thorn in your flesh. You ready? You will make it. Mama, you will make it. You may not feel like you're going to make it, but you'll make it. And it may not be one day at a time. It might be one moment at a time. But you will make it because God's supernatural power will rest on you. I'm looking around this room at this campus right now, and I know the stories of the pain of the people and the stuff they've walked through. How is it? That you're still standing today only by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And you will make it. God's not walking away from you. God's not leaving you. Listen, the, whole, the primary job of the Holy Spirit is to comfort you. He is our advocate, our paraclete, our comforter. And the Holy Ghost will wrap his arms around you and you will find a supernatural strength. Three verses here to give you encouragement. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those who are crushed in their spirit. Watch this. Psalm 56, verse 8. You have collected all of my tears in your bottle and you've recorded every one of them in your book. Proverbs 18, 24. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's who God is. That's who God is. So let me geek out for a moment. Come on, all my uh, COOs, accountants, bookkeepers, watch this. Let me give you a mathematical equation to close out this message. You ready? Watch. God's strength plus my thorn is always greater than my strength and no thorn. So God's power and whatever it is that you're walking through in your family, in your marriage, in your body, in the spirit, in your mind, God's strength plus whatever it is is far greater than your own ability and no thorn at all. God's power will rest on you and one day you will get that miracle. I want everybody to put your hands together for the word of the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, I give you all the glory. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Woo. I need you, Jesus. Come on, if you just need the Holy Spirit, lift your hands. Come on, all around this room. West side, Moco, come on, lift your hands, every campus. Lord, I'm trusting you with the thorn in my flesh. I don't get it. I don't like it. I've wrestled you with it in prayer. But I am deciding today that I will boast all the more glad in it. And I know that your grace is sufficient and your power is made perfect because of it. And so when I am weak, Whoa, now, right now, listen, now I am strong. Now I am strong. 
So I give you all the glory. I give you all the honor. And I give you all the praise. In the name of the Father who loves you. The Son who gave his life for you. And the Holy Spirit who lives within you. And the whole church said amen and amen. Let's give God the best praise you've got. Come on.